how are you all? Honestly, very special day today. We're going to have communion. And we're going to have communion at the start of the service. And so I'm going to ask you right now to kind of start uh, having a mindset, kind of think about uh, what does Jesus Christ mean to you? What, what, does he, what does He bring to you that has just so blessed your life? Um, I would start thinking about Him because I want to, it fits in to where we are. This is a, by, by, by the Apostle Paul, this is a brilliant place in Scripture. It, it, it kind of ties together the whole idea of konakia. Konania, I should say, is a word for sharing. It, it, it actually means sharing, giving, or communion. And what Paul did last week, if you recall, he spoke about our financially giving. Well, he talked about going to the churches in Macedonia and Acacia and bringing money into the church at Jerusalem so as to help bring harmony to bring harmony between the, the fellowship. They needed finance, financial help, but there was also a, a rift between the Jews and the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, and they were having a problem. And, and by all of this, Paul brought harmony into the body of Christ. And that's what uh, uh, giving is. And so last week, if you were here, you heard us talk about giving, but if you only heard talk about financially giving, then I missed the boat and I ask your forgiveness. It wasn't about just financially giving. It was about giving of your talent, giving of your time, and yes, of your treasure. If you look with me, if you turn to Romans chapter 15, I want to take a look at a couple of things with you, if you don't mind, this morning before we have communion. We talked about financially giving, and then we talked about the blessings that God wants to pour out upon all of those who will just trust them with either their finances or their treasure or their talent or their time, I should say. And so we, we went to a verse that was just a, fa- a fabulous verse in the Word of God. It's, a, it's in the Old Testament, the last book, Malachi, the third chapter, and it's the tenth verse, and, and, and it talks about our finances. And the Lord told the people of Israel, you are robbing me. And they asked, how are we robbing you? And he said, with your with your finances, with your tithes and your offerings. And then he said this to them, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house. That's Malachi 3.10. In, in our vernacular today, my house and storehouse stands for our church. And so on top of that, saying, bring this into the church, bring this that there may be food in my house. And then he says, and test me. Test me now in this. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings until they overflow. That's what I want for you in your life. I want for you to, to feel and to sense the blessings of God as you serve Him. Whether it be with your time, whether it be with your talent, or whether it be with your treasure to honor Him and to give back to Him a portion of what He has given to us. And and King David taught us that's the whole idea of the cycle of giving. You know, I'll tell you how... how, um, What is it? Uh, I don't know what the word is. How... um, I don't know. But this there's a piece of paper here. And I think it's paper. But whatever it is... Oh, it's part of a donut. It will bug me the whole service if I don't pick it up. It will. 
It will absolutely bug me. Now, where do we have a trash can? We don't. So I'll put it on the music stand. <laughs> I'll let them worry with it. Okay. So, David taught, King David did, about the whole idea of, of using what you have been given unto the Lord. He says, the Lord God blesses us. Remember David said, who are we that we would give as generously as we do unto you? And that generous was people who were serving the Lord, not only with their finances, but with the, their ability to help build the temple and all that they had to do. And so he says, who are we, Lord, that you so give to us and we give back to you in return? And I, I teach always, that's the idea of the Bible talking about the cycle of giving. The Lord God in his kindness gives to us. We, we take what he has given us, our time, our talent, our treasures, and we measure out what portion we can give to him. And we give back to him. And then he in return gives to us. And so the cycle of giving goes on and on and on. And he says, test me now. Test me in this and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessings until they overflow. He wants to bless you and me. So the whole idea of giving, when Paul was speaking of, is, is the word kononia. It, 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 it gives us the idea of building harmony within the family of God, whether it be spiritual or whether it be material. As a matter of fact, in, in Romans chapter 15, look with me please at verses 26 and 27. Macedonia, Paul said, and Acacia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, he says in verse 27, they were pleased to do so. And they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. And so it's a, it's a, it's a give and a take within the family of God. This kononia is, is where we get the word fellowship, but more importantly, the word communion, which we will experience this morning in a, in a few minutes. Today we wish to have communion with the specific idea of building harmony within the church, within your, your life, your family, or whatever it is within your life, and most importantly, between you and God, to bring harmony. And Paul was concerned with strengthening this kononia, this fellowship of harmony between brothers and sisters in the Lord. And he used the idea of gathering money from, from one place to share with another. I want to tell you a story that is absolutely astonishing to me, absolutely true. Um, there is a, I, I don't want you to even try to guess who it is. There's some people from out of state. They used to come to this church. And that's as much as I'll tell you about them. But I want to say this. They had no idea what we were preaching on last week. They had no idea we were preaching on how we, you give to help one another. And this, this people that used to go to this church that live in another state felt impressed in their heart to send money to this church to help those in need. I don't know how much they gave. I accidentally found out who it is. I wished I didn't know, but it's okay. I can keep that secret. But they want to be anonymous. They don't want anyone to know that they did this. And 
I thought I would share this story with you because it is such an... We can see the miraculous hand of God. I mean, here we are talking about giving and talking about harmony within the body of Christ. And here are these people far, far away from us and send finances here to help those who might be in need. I tell you that story for no other reason than to know that you would know, as with the other two services, that God is really blessing us. And we seem to be, hopefully, on track with God. As we teach the Bible through, the, through it, word upon word, line upon line, when we come to a place, it seems like God always seems to do something out of the ordinary to, to verify what is going on within our life as a church. And it also, I tell you that story, so that it might encourage you to somewhere down the road to do the same, to, to be a blessing to the, the body of Christ here as a, as a group of believers. I, I just think that's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, as I said to you, I don't know what they gave. I don't want to know. I don't know if you know this or not. I think I've said this to you before. I don't know what any of you give for fear that, that, uh, that Jeff really gives a lot of money to this church, and I know it. And man, he doesn't. Well, my fear is that I would know who gives what and where. I don't want to know. You might know this or not, but I do not even know where the safe is in this building. I do not know where we keep the money. I do not have to sign for the money. There is two signatures that have to be a part of, uh, of, of, of us to give money out. I'm not one of those signatures. I don't deal with it. I don't know who gives what or when. I don't want to know. There's a... There is a reason, too, for that in my life. I want you to know this. In my life, I try to figure out where are my strengths in the Lord and where are my weaknesses. <laughs> By the way, best brownies I've ever, ever... Did you make them or buy them? No. Your son made them? I will marry him. <laughs> Gina, Gina they were, that was so kind of you guys. Thanks. Tell him thank you. I, I really plead with you in your life to know where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. In my life, I, I come from a background of playing baseball and making more money than I deserve. I, I, I signed a contract with the Dodgers and made more money just by giving them my... Could you see that? I spit. Just by giving them my signature, I made more money than my dad did maybe in 10 years. Um, and so... Money to me at that time was important. It still might be. And so because of that, and because I have seen in ministry, when I was in missionary ministry with athletes, and watching all the money that they made, and watching some of the guys that worked with them, trying to get close to them so that they could give to their missionary endeavors, I never did that. Kay and I never asked one athlete for a penny. I didn't want to be a, a part of asking for money. And one of the reasons is, I believe it could be my weakness. I've seen pastors fall over money. I didn't want to do that. So, I have nothing to do with it. I don't, I don't know where the, the safe is. I don't know, I don't know the combination. Uh, I don't know how to deal with all of that. And I do that for a reason. On the other hand, you could send me in any bar you want to in this country. I, I, I don't drink. I don't want to drink. I have no desire to drink. Now, I won't go into the bars. Don't get me wrong. But I know that that's not a problem for me. And so it's good for you to know where is your strengths and where are your weaknesses so that you don't allow Satan to get a stronghold into your life. 
on those areas that might might take you away from what you are to do and and how you are to live it's we must be wise about our walk with Christ and so I tell you that story about those that gave because I wanted to bless you. I wanted you to see, as, as it was in my life, what, a, what an honor it was to see the Lord God bless us in that fashion, especially on the way that Paul gave money to Jerusalem and how these people sent money to us. It was, it was just encouraging to me. And so today, in a, in a short while, the, the, the ushers are going to come and, and they're going to bring the bread and the wine. And what I want you to do in this process, I want you to consider the communion that we are about to have, our, our fellowship with one another, more importantly, our fellowship with our Lord, to bring harmony within the church, bring harmony within our families, to bring harmony between us and God so that we would have that kononia, that fellowship through communion. Now, central to this fellowship, Paul proclaimed this truth. Guys, why don't we start passing out the, the, um, the uh, bread and the wine right now. Actually, it's juice, but bread and juice. Central to this whole idea of fellowship, Paul taught this lesson at the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, you don't need to turn there right now because I'd like for you to uh, hold on to the bread and the juice for a moment, we'll, we'll all take it together. I want you to consider what our Lord has done for us. Listen to what he says to the believers in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, Paul taught, you who were formerly far off, in other words, you who had no relationship with God, you have been brought near, he says, by the blood of Christ. That is the joy that you and I have. The blood that Jesus Christ chose to shed on the cross for you, for you and for me, was for the forgiveness of our sins. Consider what he has done for us. As he said to the apostles, remember me when you take this bread. Remember me when you take of this wine. The next verse says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, For he himself, God Almighty, is our peace who made all groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. In other words, because of the blood and the body of Christ, there is a harmony, there is a unity within the body of Christ. And so I long for that for you. Our Lord asks you and me to joyfully remember Him through the bread and the juice of communion as you prepare yourself to come to Him, I want you to remember. For instance, if I were to say to you, real quickly, um, what is one of the things that you, when you think about Jesus Christ, what is it that, you, that brings you great joy? And think about that. Remember. Remember what He has done for you. And during this process, if the, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, then deal with it. Come to Him with as pure a heart for communion as that you possibly could have. Just confess your sin. Here's a good thing to remember. He says, if you confess your sin, He will faithfully forgive you. And He will take your sin and He will remove it from you as far as what? The east is from the west. In other words, they don't meet. They just keep going out. And then He says... 
that sin that you have confessed to me, brought to me by faith, I will remember it how long? How long? No more. I will remember your sins no more. That's a great thing to remember about our Lord, what He has done for us, how He has forgiven us, and how He not only has forgiven us of our sin that we've done, but of the sin that we might do in the future. He wants to cleanse us as much as possible. Here's another thing you can remember about our God. When, Jesus, when God Almighty looks upon you, God the Father looks upon you, He does not see your righteousness because you and I have none. When we come to Jesus Christ by faith and we give Him our sin, He gives us His righteousness in return. Can you imagine? We now have the righteousness of Christ because what He has done for us upon the cross. And so when God the Father looks at you and me, He doesn't see our righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ living in us. It's a great thing to remember. And so just for the next two minutes, which is really quite a time, it's longer than it appears, I'll be quiet. And you guys just thank God. Hold on to your bread and wine. Don't drink it or eat it yet. We'll have it together. But I want you to just think. Remember, remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. Let's do that. I hope I'm not interrupting any of you right now in your thoughts. But I would love for you to now kind of just take a look at this piece of bread. That's all it is, just a piece of bread. But it's so much more. It's, it's everything that we remember about the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he, he willfully went to the cross for you and me. He willfully allowed them to nail Him upon a cross for the sole purpose of setting himself up to die for our sin. Amazing. The most amazing thing that anyone could have ever done for us is to give us everlasting life in a place called heaven because of his death on the cross for you and me. And so he says, when you, when you eat of this bread, remember me, remember what I have done for you. Part and parcel of of what happened with his body on the cross was him allowing them to drive nails into his his wrists and his his side and that he would bleed. You see, the the blood was everything. Just the death was not sufficient. Blood had to be shed. Because he said, without the shedding of blood, there is absolutely no forgiveness. He has forgiven you and me our sin. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. They chose to go to the cross, chose to be nailed to the cross, and chose to shed his blood for yours and my forgiveness. And asks us in return just to trust in him by faith. That's it. Faith alone. That's what Paul's been teaching us all along. And so when you drink of this, remember. Remember that as we said just a little while ago, your, your sins have been separated from you as far as your east. The east is from the west, and you will remember your sin no more. Gosh, clean slate. Thank you, Father. I want us to look now at Scripture. I want us to take a look. One of the things I wanted to do, by the way, we're in the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. 
I wanted to have a clever way of having communion today. And so uh, when I was thinking about having communion, I thought, well, we'll have it the very first of the service. We haven't done that in a while. And what I wanted to do was to have every row serve the next row. Um, but when I, when I shared that with the other people, I said, and, and how, when do we want to finish by? Tuesday? <laughs> so I, I realized maybe that wouldn't be as practical, but I would love to have a clever way of doing communion. A way of, the reason I thought that it would be good to each row is to serve in so that we'd get to know each other a little bit more intimately. Just a, maybe a, in a casual way, just to be able to say, Meredith, God bless you, or whatever. And, and, but that wasn't a really a great idea. But I, w- I would bet somebody here has something. We, we normally, sometimes we have uh, the bread and the wine uh, just up in front. You can walk up individually and get it, and we can do that. Um, I don't know how else to do it, but I wanted to do it in such a fashion that it would bring kind of unity, just a feeling of togetherness. I, I don't want us to be a, a group of people who come from every which way and every di- other direction and yet not get to know each other a little bit. And uh, I thought maybe that might be a way of doing it. And so uh, if, if, you, if you think of an idea, write it down or, or tell someone and, and, and maybe we can incorporate that into uh, when we have communion the next time. Enough said. Let's, let's get into this great message by Paul. Paul now is setting the tone about praying for the people and them praying for him in Rome. Um, Read with me, please, verses 28 through 33, chapter 15. Therefore, he says, When I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. He says, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, he says, I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I might be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. And then he ends by saying this, Now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. If I could pray anything for you guys, it would be that. May the God of peace be with you. May He bring you His peace within your life. And so I relate to this a little bit. I I relate to what Paul is saying to these dear people in Rome. May the God of peace be with you all. Father, I pray that for us, that we would sense your peace as we have the opportunity to, to remember what you have done for us, to just consider your kindness of forgiving us our sins and giving us everlasting life and and. And, and bringing peace between us and you. We who were formerly far off, Father, being brought near by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. You are our peace. You broke down that barrier of any dividing wall between us and, and anything that would separate us from you. And so, Lord, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold the wonders of, of your law? And that we might, Father, understand more about you today than perhaps we knew when we walked in here. Whatever, Father, would you please remove me? Uh, 
move me aside. Let me not interfere with what you want to teach each of us today. I do pray your blessings on us, Father. I do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. In verse 28, Paul says, I want to put my seal on this fruit, this, this gift that was given by those to the church in Jerusalem. That was his way of saying how pleased he was of how sacrificially they gave to help the church in Jerusalem. And then he reminds them, not only that, but I'm really wanting, desiring to come and visit Rome when I go on my way towards Spain. And he says in verse 29 that he knows, Paul says, I know that Jesus Christ is going to bless me when I finally get there to you guys. Now obviously, as we have been reminded, all the blessings that Paul received did not exclude any difficulties and any afflictions that came his way. It says in verse 31, if you'll note, that I might be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea. You see, Paul was fully aware. When, when the Lord had this man named Ananias in, in Damascus go to Paul and, and, and heal him and, and so he could have his sight back, Paul. And he said, say this to Paul. Say that I will show Paul how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, don't think that that just fell on Paul. All of us, all of us who walk with Christ have some sort of difficulties that come our way. It's, it's part of life. It's part of living. But nothing, nothing could rob Paul of his joy. Not even afflictions that may come his way. He says in verse 29, if you notice again, the fullness of the spiritual blessings, the fullness of Christ, I, I, I believe, he says, I will receive when I come to you. Paul knew that trials were coming his way. But he also knew that blessings that he received as a believer in Jesus Christ far outweighed any and all trials that might come his way. What mattered to Paul most is what I want to matter to you and me the most. And that is, the trials were not the issue with Paul. What issue with Paul was his obedience to the Lord. I want you to believe that with your heart. Even in the midst of trials, that you and I would be obedient. Look at we know for certain, because Paul recorded it, that he did not have an easy life. In fact, I'll, I'll, I would like for you to see it. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Second is just to the right, just two books. You'll go to 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at it with me. It's, it's an amazing, it's amazing testimony of what Paul went through for the cause of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verses 23 to 28, we see that he suffered greatly. Look, verse 23. This is something out of character for Paul. He says, are they servants of Christ? He asks a rhetorical question because he says, I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, I've been beaten times without number, he said. I have often been in danger of death, he says in verse 23. Look at verse 24. Five times, he says, I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Verse 25. Three times I have been beaten with rods. 
Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. Verse 26. I've been on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in the city, in the wilderness. I've had danger on the sea, he says, and I've had danger among false brethren. Verse 27, he tells us, I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. I've been in hunger and I've been in thirst. I've been often without food, in cold and exposure. In other words, he's been through it all, folks. He's been through it all. Verse 28 is a very personal verse to me. I take it to heart. He says, and apart from such external things, you see, I've not had any of those verses 23, 4, 5, 6, 7, pretty much not much of that. Not enough to say, oh, I've been through some of that. But I get verse 28. He says, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Now, I don't know about all the churches, but I'll tell you what, I am concerned about this church. More than you'll ever know, it is my prayer that God will bless you and me in this church. And that this church will go on and on and on until our Lord comes back. And that we will do whatever the Lord would have us to do in that time. And that we will see Him bless us for being faithful. But there's times when I lay my head down a pillow at night, when I understand what it means to have daily pressures of such external things like concern for the church. I get it. Concern for you. Concern for, for some of you that are going through difficulties. And it breaks my heart that you're going through it. And, and, and in some ways I can see the end. I can see, I can see the way through it. And yet I, it's hard to explain it. It's hard to make, make someone understand sometimes. And, and, and I understand that sleepless night of, of the pressure being concerned for this church. I understand that. But none of these outward problems that Paul had robbed him of his innermost peaceful blessings of the Lord. And none of those problems that he had and faced in verses 23 to 28 stopped him from serving the Lord. And it shouldn't you or me either. And why didn't it not stop him? Because I believe Paul had had an understanding of the blessings that far outweighed any trials that he went through. And I think if you are faithful to the Lord and obedient to the Lord, you'll see that that is a true statement. The blessings far, far outweigh the trials. But eventually, we see that blessings came Paul's way. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12, 13, 14, let me read it to you. He says, I want you to know this, brethren. In other words, don't weep for me. Because my circumstances, the trials that I've been going through, have turned out, he says, for the greater progress of the gospel. In a nutshell, that's why Paul drew breath. His, his purpose in life was to progress the gospel, the name of Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 1, In my imprisonment, the cause of Christ became well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. In other words, everyone knew about Jesus Christ because I was in prison. And verse 14, most of the brethren 
began trusting in the Lord more because of my imprisonment. They have far more courage, he says, to speak the Word of God without fear. In other words, Paul says, Praise God that I've been through these trials because it's helped the cause of Christ. That was his blessings. He says in verse 18, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Jesus Christ is proclaimed, and in this, he says, I rejoice. Yes, he says, I will rejoice. (laughs) Can you not see why you ought to love Paul so much? What a valiant, valiant warrior for our Lord he is. That's why I I tell you, anyone that will listen, I can't wait to see him. I mean, I just want to look at Paul. That's all. I don't... I don't need to talk to him. Maybe when I'm there, I'll have this new, I'll be different, you know, and I won't have any trouble wanting to talk to him. But I can only relate it to this. I remember, forgive me for this, but when I played baseball, and when I I went, the first time I laid eyes on Ted Williams in a ball field, the first time I saw Stan Musial, Willie Mays, Henry Aaron, Roberto Clemente, I was in awe. I mean, in complete awe. Remember, second game I played in the big league. Second game, we were facing Bob Gibson. I'm going to hit off of Bob Gibson. And Junior Gilliam comes up to me and says, Okay, Rook, don't dig in. You know what that means? In other words, when you get into the batter's box, you get a kind of a toehold. You get, get a little, move some of the dirt so you can get in there a little bit and get ready to hit. Don't do that to Mr. Gibson, Johnny. Why? He will stick the ball in your ear, Johnny. <laughs> he will hurt you. <laughs> and I, when, I, when I went up to the plate, I kind of went like this. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to bother Mr. Gibson at all. <laughs> But, you know, the, the point of the matter is that laying my eyes on those guys is going to be nothing, nothing, nothing like seeing Paul. Paul is, he's just off the chart as being a hero. He lived his life so that the gospel would be presented in, in pretense or in truth. He says, I proclaim this, that Christ is proclaimed and I rejoice. Paul was full of obedience. I pray that for you, and I pray that for me. So in verses 30 to 33, as we close out this wonderful place in Scripture, Paul asks them to pray for him. He says, I urge you. Now, the word urge is, is an amazing word. He's like begging them. He is like, he is like striving, please pray for me, he says. Look, verse 30, I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers. The word strive there is, is we get, it's a long Greek word. I won't spell it out to you. But we get the word agonize from the word strive in the Greek. And prayer, you need to know, is a time of agonizing. It's a time of not just flippantly. If I can do anything for you today, I want to say this. Just don't, just don't say your prayers at night or whenever you say your prayers and just say, you know, oh, bless everybody and then go your way. No, agonize. Agonize over your prayers. Understand that it is a battle, that it is a, a battleground between Satan and God that you would want to 
have your prayers heard by your God. He will hear you. But Paul says, strive, agonize together with me in your prayers. So that, he says, verse 31, I might be rescued from those who are disobedient. He wanted to get away from anybody disobedient. I love that. I love the fact that he wanted to purge his life from anything and anyone that might get in the way of being obedient. So that my service for Jerusalem might prove acceptable to the saints. So that, verse 32, I might come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now, May the God of peace be with you all, he said. Amen. Paul is laying, you can bear his heart. And he is showing us how real true Christianity, Christianity functions. We pray for one another, but we just don't flippantly pray. We, we agonize. We actually pray for one another. God bless them. Paul shows us the practical side of our faith. Long he has been showing us up to chapter 12 in Romans. He has shown us doctrine, how we come to Christ by faith and faith alone. He has made that he's made that clearly evident. There's nothing that you and I bring for salvation, just faith and faith alone. But in chapter 12 forward, as we've already been studying, he then takes our faith and he says, "Now put some shoe leather to it." That would be a Dr. J. McGee statement. Put Put it where the rubber hits the road, he would say. In other words, put your doctrine, put that faith into practice and live out your faith day by day, praying for one another, loving one another, serving one another, having kononia with one another, harmony. At this prayer, he, he urges them. He recognizes that he is facing enemy on every side. And so he says, strive, agonize with me. I want you to know prayer should be a battle. Prayer is a struggle against sin and evil, a chance, a decision, an opportunity for you and me to go before the very throne of God and believe God's truth rather than Satan's lies. <laughs> this, this past Friday, um, for those of us who are old enough and feel like it's okay for us to go to Rock of Ages, I want you to know for those of you who are younger, you really ought to go to Rock of Ages. It's the best thing we do here at this church. Ron, Ron does such a great job. I mean such a great job. And everybody else, not just him. But we had a chili cook-off. Chili cook-off. Vivi won it, by golly. Vivi won the chili cook-off. Hmm. I thought they were all real good. Anyways, at that evening, as we do always at our church, we share Christ. We share the gospel. We share some message. And Rob Selleck shared a message out of Second Kings about Naaman and Elisha, and how it said that that Naaman. If you if you look at Second Kings five, but if you were there, you would have felt you would have actually felt Naaman. You would have felt the whole scenario. It was such a beautiful job he did, and he talked about him being a valiant warrior for God, but but he had leprosy. And one of the servant girls who they captured from the, from the nation of Israel, a, a, a servant girl who, who loved the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, said to him, said to his, said to his, your master needs not die from leprosy. There is a prophet of God that will heal him. 
And sure enough, he goes, in the, as the story goes, you can read about it, it's phenomenal. But, but in the story, Elisha tells Nahum to go, he doesn't, by the way, Elisha doesn't even show up. He goes all this way to see the prophet of God, and Elisha doesn't even show up. He sends a messenger. And the messenger tells him, dip yourself in the, in the, in the waters of, of uh, Jordan seven times, and you'll be healed. And Nahum gets upset with that. Says, "What? I've come all. I don't have. We don't have good water back where I'm from." And so, one of his servants comes to him and says, "It would have would have been better for you if he said you do some great thing. Go dip yourself in the water seven times." And then Rob explained how every time he can imagine. Can you just see him? You know, here's this valiant warrior. He dips himself in the water, comes out and looks and says, "I'm not any better." He dips himself again. I'm not any better. And like some of us, about the fourth time, we say, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. I'm dipping myself in water. I'm going home. Forget about it. And he taught about the faithfulness of, of being a, a man, a woman of God. He taught about how envy or, or uh, uh, pride can, can, can destroy it. It's it, 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 that's what prayer is all about, folks. It's that you and I will never give up. Never give up on our faith. So Paul asks them to pray. He says, pray that I be delivered from anything disobedient. He wanted to rid his life, as I see it, from those who would bring him down through disobedience. And you and I ought to rid our lives of anything and everything that might might bring us down. That's why I say to you, find out where your strengths are. Find out where your weaknesses are. And don't let Satan get a foothold in your weaknesses. Stay strong in your faith with Christ. By the way, was their prayers answered for Paul? Well, Paul still found himself in prison. He was still beaten. And some might say, no, their prayers were not answered. God didn't answer them. But I say to you, don't look at the temporal. Look at the full picture. At the end of Paul's life, he let us know whether his prayers, those prayers were answered or not when he uttered these words in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen, listen, listen so close. He says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. In other words, he's about ready to pass on. He's going to die. He says, my time of departure has come. But he says, 2 Timothy 4, 7. You might want to remember this verse. He says, I have fought the good fight. And I have finished the course. And I have kept the faith. I wouldn't be a bad thing on any of our tombstones. Fought the good fight. Finished the course. Kept, kept, kept the faith. Stayed obedient to my Lord. Regardless of what the circumstances look like, I fought, I finished, and I kept the faith. And so Paul says, in the future, in other words, in the good by and by, that place up in the sky, heaven itself, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. I said to you earlier when we were having communion, the righteousness of Christ has been given to you, been, been poured out in your life. You now have the righteousness of Christ living in you. 
And Paul says, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, he says, but also all of you who have loved his appearing. So Paul says to them in Rome, May the God of peace be with you all. Paul prayed to the God of peace, showing us that Paul's peace, he experienced the peace of God even when he was going through difficulties and trials. Whether he was in prison or in chains, whether he was in a storm or in a shipwreck, whether he had humble means or prosperity, whether he was hungry or full, whether he had abundance or suffered need. Paul said he learned something. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Remember it, please. Remember it, please. I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Paul learned that secret. As you might note, I've memorized that verse. You know why? I've had to use it a lot. Because all of us go through trials. There's sometimes when it, it's hard for me to stand up there and say, Thus saith the Lord, you guys do what this says here because I'm having the same struggle that maybe you're having right now. Trying to go through it. Trying to go through what, what, whatever it is it's, that I'm struggling with right now. And I am. And I have to remind myself a lot that I can handle, do is better translated handle, really. I can handle all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, what I would like to do is believe Satan's lie rather than God's promises. And I can't allow that to happen in my life. I can't. And I don't want it for you. And so it is my deepest prayer that you will consider. You see, one of the worst lies we have within the faith of Christianity is those guys on radio and television who tell you with enough faith you will never have to worry about anything. That is a terrible, terrible lie. That is a terrible lie. I wish they'd have to say that to Paul after he'd been beaten 39 times by being whipped. Saying, Paul, if you had enough faith, man, you wouldn't have been through that. No. We'll all go through difficulties. We all will. But God will see it through. And what he, wants to, what he wants from you is the same thing he wants from me, is obedience. And we would receive that secret, that secret of knowing we can handle all things through Christ who will strengthen us. And then we have that peace that carries us through all and every circumstance of, of difficulties or trials that we might go through. Believing God's promises rather than Satan's lies. I long for that for us. I do. Well, communion was special with you today. Thank you for that. And uh, if you have any ideas, let me know. And let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, I want to say thank you. I tell the people here I love them every week. I don't want that to become just words. And so in my prayer, Father, I want to thank you and tell you, Father, I love them so much. I thank you that you have... Uh, Allowed, allowed us to be a part of this church at this time in our lives for my wife and me. And, and I just pray, Father God, that you would just uh, bless the church, this church, 
beyond measure. Father, please, allow us to be obedient to you and sense, Father, your presence within our lives. And for those of us who are going through deep waters, I pray, Father, that we will learn the very good truth that we can handle all things through you who strengthens us. Now, Father, bless us as we go. In Jesus' precious name, bless us. Amen.